It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. What are we doing? We created a disaster in Afghanistan under this president. We have a disaster with Iran. We have a disaster on our border. And now Russia. I am sick and tired of people projecting their their honor and their their courage and, and their genius and their knowledge on the rest of us claiming this isn't Russia's fault. Russia needs its space, folks. It needs its space. What do you you want to go to war with Russia? Do you want to send your kids to fight? Now most of the people who say this are ignoramuses because they don't realize, I suppose, that we have a volunteer army, not a draft. So nobody's sending anybody to do anything unless they want to do it. But that aside, that argument can be made all the time. Now, what are all these great sanctions that are coming down on Putin? What are they? Two banks? That the oligarchs can't do business outside Russia? Those are the great sanctions so far? Well, no wonder Putin's ignoring them and laughing at them. This is the best Europe can do and the United States can do and our other allies can do. This is the best we can do. Why aren't we pouring arms into Ukraine? We've done it before in our history. We had the Berlin airlift. 1967, we had the airlift. Excuse me. The Yom Kippur War, we had the airlift where Nixon was sending weaponry into to Israel. Why are we having a major effort now to arm the Ukrainians? I'm not talking about sending American infantry in to fight the Russians. And what is it with these liars on TV who keep spewing such crap? There's a lot we can do. Well, what does it have anything to do with us? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because Hungary and Poland are on the border and the Balkans and, and NATO that's been an alliance since the end of World War II that we set up to prevent, hopefully, a situation like maybe it has something like that. Or maybe Xi's watching and he has his eyeballs on Taiwan. Or should we let Taiwan go, too? Taiwan, Israel, sure, they can all go to hell, right? Who are these fools on TV and radio? Not just the left, but who pretend to be conservatives. Conservatives believe in protecting this country. In prudence, not ideology. When it comes to international relations. Oh, and I love this argument. Well, Biden won't protect our border. And yet he wants to protect the Ukrainian border. No, he doesn't want to protect the Ukrainian border. He's done damn near nothing. And besides, that's not the guiding principle, what Biden does or doesn't do. We could secure our border, for God's sakes, and support our friends and allies. I know this is possible. We've only done it for more than half a century. And we did it under the last president. 
President Trump, when none of this was going on, none of it. The same mouthpieces, the George McGoverns of the Republican Party in TV and radio. When Trump took out Soleimani, they said Trump was provoking war with Iran. So in other words, anytime we defend ourselves or our alliances, we're provoking war. What kind of sick mentality is this? You saw Putin the other day. You heard what he said. He wants all those countries back in his orbit, whether they like it or not. How many of you are Polish? How many of you are Hungarian? How many of you are Russian and escaped from there? How many of you are Ukrainian? And I can go on and on and on, the 15 captive states. Do you think Hungary supports what Russia's going to do? No, why? None of their business. They're not Ukraine. Because they know. You have to be Helen Keller not to see and hear what's been going on. The history of Europe is more than clear. Most of us had relatives, close relatives, who fought in World War II. The Germans, the Japanese, the Italians, the Russians, all have designs on their neighbors. Why did we have a Cold War? Why did we give a damn what happened to Europe? Why were we celebrating when the Soviet Union collapsed if we don't give a damn? In fact, why do we have a military that's so big? Maybe the American Marxists are right. Maybe the, the neon surrender crowd in the Republican Party's right. Maybe we ought to slash the military by 75%. Just put nuclear subs on our shores. Just have a few jets, a few bombers here and there. Screw everybody else. Here we are. Where's their red line? If it's not Ukraine, is it Hungary? If it's not Hungary, is it Poland? Where do we draw the line? And why does it matter where we draw the line when it'll be too damn late? So no, the choice isn't between absolute appeasement and in fact, overt support for Putin, which is what I'm hearing. Or nuclear war and American troops. That's not the choice. It wasn't the choice under Reagan when he destroyed the Soviet Union. And it's not the choice today. But by God, where are the sanctions? Where are they? Oh, we got sanctions lined up, baby. Putin's going to know he's going to be punished. All day long, I'm reading about these sanctions. It's a couple banks. It's, a, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. What does Ukraine have to do with us? Then the next question. What does Hungary have to do with us? What does Poland have to do with us? Or as they asked, as the British were fighting the Germans less than a century ago, what do the Britain, British Isles have to do with us? We're over here. We're okay. That's their problem. They deserve what they're getting anyway. What do the slaughter of the people, what does the slaughter of the people in Ukraine have to do with us? 
What does the next what do the concentration camps have to do with us? Oh, you know, you neocons. Anytime you hear some punk use that phrase, they're talking about Jews. They're talking about Jewish intellectuals. And you know, it's a funny thing. When I look at Putin, Putin reminds me of like a Klansman. Doesn't he, you, Mr. Producer? Without the hood. He just, he just reminds me of a Klansman, this guy. But it's amazing. The neocons. What do they mean by that? This is a movement that was formed by mostly intellectual Jews in the 50s who stood up against Stalin. Many have became Republicans. Many of them supported Ronald Reagan, were in his administration. So what are they trying to say to you about the neocons? What neocon? Who are they talking about? Is Joe Biden a neocon? Is Blinken a neocon? Who's the neocon? What are they talking about? Are the neocons all getting together with a script and saying, hey, we want to go to war. We want Russia to invade Ukraine so we can go to war. We're part of the war machine. What are they talking about, ladies and gentlemen? Why do they use such labels? No. I want to know. What's the issue? And yet it's they who are the appeasers to a former KGB senior operative for the old communist Soviet Union. And some of these people on the left and the right, remember, we're not on the left or the right. We are constitutional conservatives. We're patriots. We're Americans. No left and right here. We embrace unalienable rights. We embrace our history. We embrace the basis for our history and our founding documents. It's not a right. We don't define ourselves by how our, our opponents define us, but some people really are. Putin is not just a nationalist. He's a thug. The man is estimated to be worth $40 billion. Boy, what an entrepreneur he is, huh? He kills his opponents. Kills them. There should be nobody on radio or TV who makes excuses for him. And those of us who know exactly what's going on, we haven't been brainwashed because of the ideologies being pressed on us out there. No. And for CNN and MSNBC and the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost and the rest of that cabal, you're the bastards who've always supported Russia and the Soviet Union. You're the bastards who took on Reagan, who attacked Reagan, who wanted to build these defensive missile systems, and here we have Russia way ahead on hypersonic missiles that could blow the New York Times building right off the face of the earth in about 10 seconds. Maybe now they understood what Reagan was talking about. Probably not. Reagan being a neocon and all, I guess. The incompetence, the foolishness, the failure of Biden and his administration, the failure to prepare, the failures in Afghanistan and Iran and elsewhere are a disaster to this country, but should not be used as camouflage for celebrating and supporting Vladimir Putin. Period. 
course nobody wants to go to war. Nobody wants their kid to go to war. Are we out of our minds? And if you don't want your kid to go to war, he's not going to war. But we didn't choose to be attacked at Pearl Harbor. We didn't choose to be attacked on 9-11. War doesn't begin in Kansas and Iowa, New Hampshire and so forth. We have to be mature, thoughtful adults about what's taking place here. Not ideologues who knee-jerk and label to push your own idiotic agenda. This isn't federal contractors and neocons conspiring to support a war. There's a war taking place. The Russians are invading Ukraine. Ukraine is an ally. We forced Ukraine to denuclearize. They have no serious defenses. And they're on the border with NATO countries. Should we get out of NATO too? Think about this, folks. I may be the last real conservative standing. I may be the last Reaganite standing. But I'm standing. And I ain't going anywhere. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Remember Kim Potter? Police officer who had a stellar record. Senior police officer. She even trained other police officers on how to be police officers. Remember what we saw on her body cam? Remember we saw a guy by the name of Dante Wright? who did threatening things to her, gets out of the car, and while they're trying to handcuff him, jumps back into the car. She fears trying to reach for a weapon. A real legitimate fear, because Dante Wright had an outstanding warrant for a violent assault on somebody else. He had a long record, did Dante Wright, and he was a very young man. A long record of using a gun to threaten people. And to hit people. In my view, just a matter of time till somebody would get killed. In this case, it was Dante Wright. And so we saw in real time how Kim Potter accidentally pulled her 
service revolver and shot Dante Wright as he jumped into the car reaching for something. And um, she was prosecuted. She was prosecuted. They wanted to throw her in prison. The mob, the legal mob, other mob members wanted to throw her in prison. It's clearly an accident. But all the things that Dante Wright did was not an accident. They were not an accident. And, uh, I mean, we remember what he was on. Uh, he, he, he had skipped uh, bail, and he was, on, uh, he was on the loose, and the judge put out an order to get him arrested. And when they stopped him, they realized what they had. And so Potter was sentenced today to two years in prison for the death of Dante Wright. She thought she was firing her taser. Now, why is that? The 26-year Brooklyn Center police veteran, as the New York Post notes, was convicted of manslaughter in December for the fatal shooting, which took place after Wright tried to flee a traffic stop. Video from the scene showed Potter shout that she was going for her taser, though she mistakenly pulled her pistol. She fired a single shot before realizing her mistake. Now, Judge Regina Chu said during sentencing... This is one of the saddest cases I've had on my 20 years on the bench. This is a cop who made a tragic mistake. She'll be available or eligible for supervised release after 16 months in prison. Wright's parents were angered. His father calling a slap on the wrist. Prosecutors had asked Chu to give Potter a seven-year sentence. Well, Wright's parents... should take some responsibility for the upbringing of their son who turned out to be quite the criminal at a very, very young age. They're lashing out at the cop, I understand, but Dante Wright would never have been in such a situation if he wasn't a criminal. If he hadn't skipped bail. If there wasn't an arrest warrant or bench warrant issued by a judge to find him and drag him back. And if he hadn't used his gun to rob a friend, a female friend, of the rent that she had received, if she had allowed him and his friend to stay at her apartment, I guess, for a night, and that female friend testified how he put a gun to her head. Or threatened her with his gun. And that's not all Dante Wright had done in his short life. Where he was playing with death, playing with fire, if you will, for years. And then this terrible accident occurred, which we all saw. Ex-police officer Kim Potter shouldn't serve one minute in jail. It's an accident. That's the whole point of the body cams, right? Here's Judge Regina Chu today. 
Cut 13, go. Given all these considerations and having carefully considered the comments of the family and of both Dante Wright and the comments of Kimberly Potter, as well as the arguments of counsel, it is the sentence and judgment of this court that you shall be committed to the custody of the Commissioner of Corrections for a period of 24 months. You shall serve two-thirds of that time or 16 months in prison and a third on supervised release, assuming no disciplinary, disciplinary offenses or conditional release violations. So this judge, Judge Chu, stood up against the prosecutors who wanted seven years. Stood up against Wright's family, who wanted the book thrown out, which would have been 25 years. And in my view, Kim Potter shouldn't do one minute in jail. Not one minute. But I think this judge did the best that she could with no question her concern for people breathing down the back of her neck the potential for God knows what. But to me, this was an injustice against this police officer who never should have been prosecuted for anything. For anything. I want to talk to you about Donald Trump and his family. And Mr. Producer, we're going to take this right to 20 after. We're not going to be interrupted. People come on this program, they give us dictates about how long they can stay after they ask to come on the show, right? Well, I have something to say, and I think it's important. Ladies and gentlemen, while Russia is poised to slaughter Ukrainians again, while Trudeau is locking up patriotic, brave men and women in Canada without any due process whatsoever and destroying, their, and destroying them financially. We have in our own country something going on that we've never seen before in American history. We have Democrat judges, whether they serve on the federal bench or the state bench in New York, ganging up with prosecutors in New York and ganging up with civil litigants in Washington, D.C. to try and once and for all destroy Donald Trump and his family even after he's left office. And this this path was first paved by the Democrats in Congress impeaching a private citizen. And as pointed out by Politico in a 112-page ruling Judge said the evidence suggests Trump assembled the crowd and then instructed the rally goers to march on the Capitol. This federal judge is Judge Amit Mehta. Amit Mehta. Who has pushed the same narrative that the media have pushed and others without a scintilla of evidence to support it. That the civil cases against Donald Trump should go forward exposing him and his family to God knows what, 
because there was a protest, because there was freedom of association, because there was free speech. And then this judge, Amit Mehta, who should never serve on a bench of any kind, who's a disgrace to his robe, draws the conclusion, well, of course, this should go forward, given what Trump's involvement was. Trump's Twitter attack, this political left-wing goons, amid the violence on then-Vice President Mike Pence, who was presiding over the Counting of the electoral votes that would finalize President Biden's victory suggests a tacit agreement with those who stormed the Capitol and sent Pence and lawmakers fleeing for safety, Meta wrote. You see, the judge is a, a buffoon. And in my view, a liar. He has no actual substantive evidentiary basis for this. It is reasonable to infer that the president would have understood the impact of his tweet since he had told rally goers earlier that, in effect, the vice president was the last line of defense against a stolen election outcome. What kind of a rationale is this? This is truly grotesque. This is the kind of result-oriented activism that you that 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 is used to destroy the independence and respect for our judiciary. That's why I wrote Men in Black. The ruling leaves Trump's inner circle, possibly the former president, vulnerable to another flurry of deposition and subpoenas and document demands. The ruling also declares Trump potentially liable for conduct while he was the sitting president. A rare and momentous legal decision. A rare and momentous legal decision. This is legal crap. There's nothing momentous about it except the extent of the crap and the stench. To deny a president immunity from civil damages is no small step, Meta wrote. The court well understands the gravity of its decision. Now, I would encourage conservative and libertarian legal groups across the country, nonprofit, nonpartisan organizations, to get involved in this immediately. 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 Because this is a disgusting overreach by a judge was lying through his teeth. The lawsuits against Trump were brought by a dozen Democratic members of Congress and multiple Capitol Police officers and so forth. Absolutely appalling. And then, last evening, Trump must testify in New York investigation, Judge Rules. This is the case with Letitia James, who should have lost her law license long ago, the Attorney General of New York, who basically said she wanted to throw Trump in jail and wanted to get him criminally as she was running for office, for Attorney General. So now a judge rules that Trump must answer questions under oath in New York State's civil litigation investigation into his business practices within 21 days. And two of his children, Ivanka and Don Jr., have to sit for depositions. This judge's name is Engoron. E-N-G-O-R-O-N. Issued the ruling after a two-hour hearing with lawyers for the Trumps and James's office. Let me tell you what's really going on here quickly. Letitia James's lawyers, her, her civil servant pukes, these phony prosecutors are trying to use the civil system 
to collect evidence they cannot otherwise get or to collect information, let me say that, not evidence, they cannot otherwise get for their criminal investigation to do both simultaneously. And in the vast majority of cases, real judges who have real standards and real morals reject that because they know of the imposition on the ability of an individual to defend him or herself. What they want Trump to do in the civil litigation, listen to me, America, is to plead hundreds of times the Fifth Amendment. That's what they want. The right not to incriminate yourself in a civil case that could lead to charges in a criminal case, trumped-up charges. That's what they want. The politicization of the rule of law in New York, the politicization of the rule of law in Washington, the politicization of the vaccination process. These are tyrants. I don't care if they're wearing robes or they're wearing boots. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. You're about to learn why it does matter what happens in Ukraine, because Russia is now invading. Even the way the media, some of our friendlies are reporting, is not proper. Russia has created the pretext and has begun the invasion of eastern Ukraine. It has, in fact, mobilized and is moving um, its uh, tanks and armored personnel carriers into eastern Ukraine under the pretext that... uh, There's two provinces there uh, that Russia recognizes as independent, uh, basically given the uh, fact that there's a large Russian population and many of the people speak Russian, and they have removed a lot of those Russians now and are into Russia. It's right on the border. And those of you who do know history understand, actually, this is what Hitler did. This is how he started with the Sudetenland that there were ethnic Germans, and they were being abused, and he, and he went in there to protect them. It was a, a matter of ethnicity, and uh, of course, that was never his, uh, his purpose, any more than it's Vladimir Putin's purpose. Putin has created the unrest in these two provinces. He has funded the militia, funded them in these two provinces, um, and he has funded the guerrilla warfare in these two provinces. Uh, and so he creates the, the basis for his own actions. Now, I do notice some of our friends at Fox are, in fact, picking up on some of the things I've mentioned, and that's very important, uh, including 1994, when the Ukraine was forced by the United States, Britain, and Russia in exchange for security protections and recognition to give up its nuclear weapons. And if you've been listening to this program over the last several months, this is a key point I've been making about the Bucharest Memorandum. And that if Ukraine had 
any of those nuclear warheads still, that this wouldn't be happening. That there'd be a lesson on the nuclear freeze movement and so forth, and other appeasements. You've had people, friend and foe alike, on radio and TV, uh, the neo-appeasers and the flat-out appeasers telling you that uh, really uh, it's our fault. That we don't want another war, and we don't want to send any troops in. Nobody said we should send troops into Ukraine. Can anybody name a single serious politician who has said so? I can't think of one. But I have a different question. What if Putin begins to roll through Ukraine and he decides to enter the Balkans? Is that still none of our business? What are we going to do then? What are we going to do then? How about the western border of Ukraine? How about Bosnia and Serbia, let alone Eastern Europe? We're going to send in American troops then? This is why you don't allow a situation to reach this level. Now, Mark, what could we have done? We could have loaded up Ukraine, not just with defensive weaponry, but offensive weaponry. People are talking about the price that Russia will have to pay. Well, of course it'll pay a price, but it won't pay as big of a price as it should have paid to dissuade it from doing what it's begun to do. And you think it matters what's going on with Ukraine? As Xi in Communist China, if he thinks it matters, he's got both of his eyeballs glued to this situation. Ask the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran if they think it's important what happens in Ukraine. They have their eyeballs glued to this situation too. Ask North Korea, Rocket Man, what he thinks. The world is a gravely dangerous place. Much more gravely dangerous than it was before Joe Biden became president of the United States. Afghanistan was the big issue. When they saw the withdrawal, the surrender in Afghanistan, we all knew it. But it led up to Afghanistan. When he kowtowed to Russia on two other fronts, they wanted to get out of a nuclear arms deal and he let them get out of it. And then, of course, as you know, he opened that pipeline not just to Germany, but all of Europe is now dependent on fuel from Russia. Now, how insane was that? So committed is Joe Biden to destroying the American fossil fuel industry that he shuts off our pipes and turns on theirs. It's really un- unbelievable. The time to move U.S. troops was to move them months ago, not into Ukraine. But yes, into NATO nations. Into NATO nations at a bigger number in order to ensure that Putin won't move any further than he, than he might and drag us into a world war. See, the people, the phony colonels that are cherry-picked and the other people who go on radio and TV and go on and on about Russia's sphere of influence and everything, you heard it today from Putin. You heard it today from Putin, right, Mr. Producer? Right, Mr. Kosker? What did he say? Ukraine effectively belongs to Russia. Did he not say that? Did he not say that that the leaders of Russia, the Soviet Union, let down the Russian people because they let all these countries go? Did he not effectively say that? Yes, he did. 
Now, we've been talking about this. You don't have to be a mind reader. You don't have to be Nostradamus that knows what goes through a KGB guy's head. And when he sees the fecklessness and weakness of not just the president, the secretary of state, secretary, they're running all over the place. They go on American media, the secretary of state, the national secretary, and they talk to us. We don't, we're not the ones invading. But as I said three weeks ago on Life, Liberty, and Levin, and as I've said time and again on Levin TV, this administration has not prepared the American people for this, other than to say, we expect them to invade this day, that day, another time, and so forth and so on. But then there are the, the people, the third parties, surrogates from one ideology or another, who talk about, who talk about, well, they said we would invade Wednesday. Look how they were wrong. What? Who cares if it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, if it's 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock? What the, what's the difference? It doesn't prove anything. Stop defending Putin. Stop defending Russia. What kind of minds are these? What kind of perversion is this? Well, focus on China. They want world domination. They're the real enemy. Oh, okay. So only focus on China. What do you think China's focusing on? Ukraine, they're watching now, because depending on what happens there, ladies and gentlemen, I have a little bit of news for you. It's not news on this program, actually. They're going to invade Taiwan. And Israel was just told by the Biden administration, basically, butt out. We're cutting a deal with the Iranians. Don't screw up like you did last time and side against the Obama-Biden administration. You folks need to recall, the people who are negotiating this deal with the Iranians were involved in negotiating the first deal with the Iranians. Same administration just flipped the president. Obama, now Biden. And our ambassador to Israel just announced he'd be happy to meet with settlers, but not in Judea and Samaria. Not in the indigenous homes of the Jewish people. There he won't meet with them. Sending another message to Hamas, to Hezbollah, and to Iran. Messages being sent all wrong all over the world. All over the world. So yes, it does matter. This invasion of Ukraine. And yes, it could spread to other countries. And as we've talked about, you and me, for, for years here, really. For years here, really. Our enemies were rooting for Biden. Enemies foreign and domestic. They got who they wanted. The press got who they wanted. The academicians got who they wanted. The Washington establishment and bureaucrats got who they wanted. The rhinos and never Trumpers got who they wanted. Xi, Putin, Un, and the rest got who they wanted. By hook or by crook, they got their man. The American media. Really quite disgusting. So Putin signs two decrees hours ago recognizing these quote-unquote breakaway territories in eastern Ukraine. If Ukraine dares to defend its people and dares to defend its territory, that will be the pretext Putin uses to attack Kiev, or as they call it now, Kiev, 
This is a big city, ladies and gentlemen, with millions of people. This is not a joke. And they are targeting their bombers, their fighter jets, their missiles, their 500 battle tanks, ultimately on Kiev. I'll call it Kiev. I used to call it Kiev, and I'll continue to call it Kiev. More when I return. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. We actually have a movement in this country now coming out of our universities. No surprise there. Uh, Trying to reverse a Trump administration policy that was aimed at targeting and has been targeting espionage against our technology and our private sector by the communist Chinese regime. And the Biden administration is not considering reversing course as a way to appease China and try and convince China to stop cheering on Russia. Think about this. China views us as the enemy. Russia views us as the enemy. Iran views us as the enemy. North Korea views us as the enemy. But we don't even talk in those terms. We don't view them as, hey, if you're opposed to Russia, that must mean you like China, or you can't, you can't focus on two potential enemies or adversaries at the same time. And look at Iran, you know, they're going to get the nuke deal, so we gotta, we got to cut a deal with them. They're not going to follow anything. They never have, any more than the communist Chinese did with Hong Kong, any more than the Russians did with the nuke deal involving Ukraine. I mean, what is this? Any more than the North Koreans did as we continue to allow them to build and build and build. We removed our nuclear missiles from South Korea on the promise that North Korea wouldn't build nukes. Both parties. And North Korea has built nuclear missiles and South Korea has no nukes. We pressured the Ukrainians into giving up their nukes after the fall of Ukraine during the Clinton administration. I've talked about this. They gave up their nukes. Now look what's happening to Ukraine. So Ukraine doesn't have nukes. South Korea doesn't have nukes. North Korea does have nukes. A deal was cut with the Iranians that literally would help them fund terrorism the growth of conventional weapons excluded MIRVs, that is, uh, I should say, uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles, made it impossible to oversee. Bob Corker writes the law that makes it possible that Obama to get this through the Senate without a treaty. Joined by Ben Sass and others, by the way, that's when I had it with Sass when he called me and started lobbing me on behalf of Bob Corker. What a puke. And then he pretends he's the principal one out there. But in any event, That's where we are. So now we're to trust them. Trust us. People say America first. Okay, let's do it. Appeasement. Sellout. That's not America first. That's America last. Pretending Russia invading Ukraine is of no consequence to the United States like J.D. Vance and others do is absurd. It's nuts. The rest of the world looks at this, particularly our enemies and our allies. Shakes up the whole Ouija board. 
And if Russia thinks they have a head of steam and nobody's going to stop them, that's when you have to worry about a world war. Ukraine in and of itself, no. But beyond, yes. It's really quite bizarre. They hear how people respond to this. And they bring in these, these bizarre military men. You know, there's millions of people in this country who served in the military. But for some reason, they find the same three or four who are out of their minds. And, of course, this will affect you on a different note, financially and economically, because the price of fuel is going to go way up. Your pensions are going to be clearly affected by a drop in the stock market. I go on and on and on. The weakening of the dollar... Of course it's going to affect you. And it'll give Biden the opportunity to blame the Russians and the pandemic rather than the two brain cells he tries to rub together three times a day. No question about that. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Don't worry, I'm going to get to Trudeau. Trudeau is a Marxist fascist pig. It's what he is. And any police officers who comply with this, particularly at the senior level like this Ottawa police chief that says even if things have settled and they have, we're going to track down people, we're going to close their bank accounts. They need to wear brown shirts and shiny polished black boots. Because when they talk like this and act like this, that's what they remind me of. And speaking of, Putin has used essentially the argument that Hitler did to go into the Sudetenland. Well, what's the big deal? I mean, there's a lot of Germans there after all. Unbelievable. No, no, no. I guess I'm wrong. It's the neocons did it. The neocons. Whatever that means. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best. The best of Mark Levin. This is one reason you've got to build the United States military up under all and any circumstances. This is one reason you do not take away forward bases. This is one reason you do not withdraw from NATO. Many of you have a father or a grandfather. Some, although a rare number, have a mother or a grandmother who fought in World War II and who fought in Europe some of whom didn't return some of whom were terrible casualties some of whom did return we honor them we finally build a monument to them there's not many left those in my family who fought World War II they're gone including my grandfather and my great uncle among others. They're gone. What do you think they would say? The men and women who actually spilled blood in Europe during World War II. What do you think they would say to the isolationists in our own country, to the appeasers in our own country? Don't worry, just give up all the land to the Russians. What's the big deal? We don't have a foothold in Europe to protect us. Do you know how many men died and suffered to claw our way into Europe in order to defeat Germany? 
and first to defeat Italy. We have allies over there. People point to Afghanistan as FI. We left a lot of our friends and 9,000 American citizens there. This is still sickening. It still makes you want to throw up. Take Afghanistan and multiply it by tens of thousands. Leading up to World War II, we had a similar mentality. We had the isolationists. We had the appeasers. In fact, they went as far to say, what does Europe have to do with us? Forget about Ukraine. What does Europe have to do with us? The hell do we care what happens to Britain and France and all the rest of it? So far away, can't affect us. That's when Roosevelt came up with Lend-Lease because Churchill was begging him for resources and support. So he comes up with this illegal Lend-Lease, which is really a way to try and get them some arms. Then Churchill's begging the United States, please come in in the war on our side. You're going to be in this war at some point. Churchill was a genius, obviously. And geniuses aren't always right. They're quite imperfect, but he was a genius. And he said, you're going to get in on this. You're going to have no choice. They're not going to leave the great United States alone, you know. And, of course, they didn't. So we wait for these countries to build up these massive military machines while we undermine ours with critical race theory and other BS. Sex operations and who the hell knows what with the fools and the phonies and the frauds who insinuate themselves in every aspect of our government, our society, and impose their will on the rest of us. But you heard Putin today. Is there any doubt in anybody's head that from his perspective, Ukraine is just one of many? One of many. And we all knew this, that he was furious with what happened to the Soviet Union. Which is why from his perspective, he stepped into the breach in order to take over the country from what he thought were these buffoons. And he blackmailed them. And he promised not to prosecute them. He promised to keep them wealthy, which was fine by them. And he took the country over. He dislodged any major politician who was a challenge. He dislodged major politicians who were running various cities, put in his own puppets. He sent to prison these huge industrialists who picked up on our capitalist system, sent them to prison where some of them still languish and had others executed. He basically took over the media. Again, over two dozen journalists were killed, suspiciously, of course. And he would track down his most outspoken opponents, whether they were in London or anywhere else, and he'd have them poisoned, as you well know. And we have people in this country who are Putin files, Russo files. Look, most of my ancestry is Russian. What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. They had to get the hell out of there. They wouldn't have survived. Like most of our ancestors, who could do so voluntarily, had to get the hell out of the countries they're from, even though we romanticize them. Most of them wouldn't be here. I'm not talking about slaves who were captured and brought here. I'm talking about people who voluntarily came here. And most of us, whether we came here voluntarily or not, would, want to, would not want to go back 
to the same circumstances, I can't imagine. But that's beside the point. You know, it's just an amazing thing to watch and to listen to the George McGovern left and the isolationist appeasement right. Remember, we're somewhere in the middle. We're constitutionalists. We're constitutional conservatives. We don't fit neatly on this right-left thing because we're not right-left. That's the ideologues. We're not ideologues. We're prudential. We do believe in principles and philosophy, but we're not ideologues. It's quite different. You can look it up. You'll know what I'm talking about. So I will be keeping both eyes, one good one, one sort of good one, on what's going on. You'll be getting my perspective, which is not the perspective of many now in the media and in the Republican Party, but it is my perspective. Perspective of one who believes in this country, who believes in the superiority of this country, who believes our United States military must be supported every step of the way, who believes that this can get out of control, Russia, China, and the others, and that putting your head in the dirt and being an ostrich ain't going to fix a damn thing when the enemy's on the move. And as I've said to you many times, They're not building hypersonic weapons for Ukraine or Taiwan or South Korea or even the Gulf states. They're building them for us to elude our defense systems, to take out our grid. They are poised with offensive military capacity to defeat us. The Chinese economy 30 years ago was considered a joke. It's about 7 to 80% of the size now the American economy, much of it's stolen right out of our industries. If we only had a real press in this country, if we only had a real college and university system in this country with real professors, rather than these Marxists and other reprobates, We really had a serious, strong two-party system with both parties outdueling one another for which party can best advance the cause of liberty and constitutionalism and capitalism. Instead, we have one party that has as its mission to destroy them and the other that has as its mission self-survival of the people who run it. Pretty much. Pretty much. We're soon going to turn to Canada, and oh, Canada. You're going to hear the words of a Justin Trudeau, a Christia Freeland, the deputy. You're going to hear Steve Bell, the Iowa police chief. You're going to hear people like this. You're going to hear Jim Watson, the Ottawa mayor, who wants to keep and sell the confiscated trucks and the equipment that they took from these truckers. And if this doesn't remind you of the 1930s, I'm quite serious. I don't know what does. People in jail for organizing, people in jail for speech. I hear one of my colleagues say, how do I know? Because people tell me. Well, look at all the inconvenience these people have caused. And they've created inconvenience even for people who 
manufacture automobiles and put them at the same people who defended the bureaucrats in our own government for shutting down one industry after another, putting millions of people out of work, millions, shuttering hundreds of thousands of business, especially small businesses, shutting down religious institutions, shutting down gun shops, wide open abortion clinics, who abused and politicized the, the, uh, the virus to destroy our economy and to spend trillions of dollars instead of money that hadn't even been earned yet, turning our system upside down. They had no problem with that, but the truckers are inconveniencing people, you see. So they're taking their finances. They've nationalized their accounts. They're tracking them. It's like a social credit system in communist China being applied in Canada. But in real time, in ways that even communist China doesn't apply it. Communist China's learning from Canada. Russia's learning from Canada. Justin Trudeau. What a punk. <laughs> 